Hello, it's Vikas Pota, Chairman of the Vaki Foundation. You are listening to a session from our Global Education and Skills Forum, a place where leading politicians, businesses, philanthropists, activists, and of course, the world's best teachers share, debate, and discover new ways for education to transform our world. Keep the global conversation going and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with the hashtag GESF. All right, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you so much for attending. Our session here today is focused on why music is important in the schools. I am Dana Leong, and you are here at GESF 2019. Give yourselves a round of applause. How are you guys doing way back in the cheap seats? All right. <laughs> okay, so if you're in this area, please feel free to come closer and... You know, listen in and participate. If you're uh, eating, you know, you guys can uh, feel free to move the conversations to the back of the room and we'll, uh, you know, come see you afterwards. So uh, without further ado, I wanted to uh, jump right in. We are so blessed that we have three fantastic panelists from all over the world here, uh, from all within the uh, field of music, but with different angles, uh, teaching music in the schools and making such tremendous, wonderful impact in the world here. Uh, I personally loved reading uh, and watching the videos and really digging in deep uh, to the bios and the lives of each one of these teachers here. And I encourage you guys to uh, do the same uh, on your own time. And also, I'm sure that they'll be here throughout the weekend. So if you see them, just pull them aside. They're very nice people. They don't bite very hard. Uh, and uh, like I said, we'll keep the conversation going. So it's nothing short of miraculous uh, what each of you has contributed to your societies, to your communities, to your students, uh, everything from enriching the lives of the students, from raising funds, to being mentors, uh, to uh, breaking down barriers, and uh, becoming enablers for your society. My question uh, is, with music being so high touch and education being so high touch, meaning that it really is all about your personal fingerprint and you being in the room there, how do you guys go about looking at scaling your impact and your curriculum? So maybe we can start with Melissa here. Well, oh, gosh. go for it. Everybody's awake now. Okay, <laughs> hi guys. Uh, my name is Melissa Salguero. I teach in the South Bronx. Um, if you were in uh, the top 10 session earlier, you know a little bit about that. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, I just want to start by saying, um, Every student has different needs, and it's really important to acknowledge that, not only in the academic sense, but also in a musical sense. 
So I'm not going to go to a school and teach what I want to teach. It's really important that we listen to our students. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the, the first song I taught was Don't Stop Believing. But before that, I tried to teach the King of, Kukur, the, the, King of uh, the Court of King Caracatus, which is a song that kind of builds up and builds up. Uh, and it did not work. It failed miserably. And um, I think an important part of the curriculum has to be you have to listen to your students, what they like, and then you can get to the stuff that you can enrich their lives with. Very good. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Ron Davis Alvarez, and I'm from Venezuela. I deeply believe um, when I was learning music in Venezuela, and as, as look music as a social important uh, chain. I, I now, with, when we talk about a lot of crisis, refugees crisis, finances crisis, political crisis, I think we need to work really much into develop your spirit and your soul. And music is a really good tool for us. And I believe that if it's in our classroom, we go more than a note. We go more than play music, more than play one note in tune or not. Thinking more about what our students dream, what our students, we can give them a voice through an instrument. Because for example, when I was, uh, when I'm working in Venezuela and see a lot of poverty and humanitarian crisis with kids don't have anything to eat, but they come with an instrument and then you hear them to empower them. At the same time, when I'm working with Inuit kids in Greenland or, or with the refugees kids where I'm working now in Sweden, I just see that you can make in the curriculum more than teach notes. So giving values, giving respectful, and also see the effectiveness of music to a really good, important power that that soft skill can develop. Uh, hi there, my name is Mark Reed. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. And uh, I, I like what each of my colleagues has had to say. And there, there's one thing that I think all three of us would agree on. And Dana, you've probably had this similar sort of experience. When you're a music teacher in a school, you're often the only one. Maybe you're one of a small team. But you get the privilege and honor of teaching kids for multiple years. So when I see students come into my school in grade 8, and then they leave after grade 12, I've watched them grow through a period of five years. The deeper connection that we get to have with our students means we ultimately are teaching people first. Music is, is the way we're gonna do it, and we're gonna have fun doing it. It's gonna be artful and wonderful, but ultimately we're teaching people first, and that's, that's something that um, I think is easily scalable, and it's something that our colleagues in other uh, subject areas in, in any part of the world can recognize that, that uh, concept of character education um, being the underpinning or the overlay over what we're doing in music education is, is wonderful. We teach texture and layers in music all the time. We've got to remember that that ground rhythm is essentially the people in the room. I like that. It's very beautiful. It's a nice analogy to uh, orchestrate the, uh, the elements of the education. Absolutely. So much with, like uh, how we broke the ice here. Uh, certainly back to, to Ron. Ron, uh, for those of you who don't know, is working with the, the world-famous uh, El Sistema Group, uh, uh, founded by the... Uh, expressive philosophy of uh, uh, the founder of Venezuelan economist Jose Antonio Abreu. It's become an, a global example of the amazing a, a potential of early music education for all. I was wondering, could you talk a little bit 
in terms of how you feel now that you've worked in multiple countries with El Sistema, how, do, how does it uh, differ, say, you know, for example, working with uh, underprivileged communities versus uh, more recently bringing underprivileged communities into uh, more uh, developed areas like, like Sweden, right? Like, so how does it work when you work in two different uh, ends of the world there? Well, the, I must say, um, actually talking about El Sistema, um, my mentor and, and the one who created El Sistema, Jose Antonio Abreu, tomorrow, t uh, half one year, he passed away. So I believe when I was a kid, I have the opportunity to have access to music and believe they can be more than, than being in the street or being in a barrio. I recognize that I get a responsibility as a teacher. So now when I teach him, for example, in Sweden with a student from Afghanistan, from Syria, I just remember my childhood. Probably when I was a kid, I was never know what music was. I, I was just like, how was classical music? How is it gonna play a violin? For me, it was just uh, something that it was interesting. But in the moment that I became to my first music class, I just love it. And that's what I want to do to all my students. I think I want them to learn how to love music, how to love art. Because when we give that opportunity for them in education, we are given a multiple destinies for them, a possibilities, it's a bigger possibility for them. Well, I don't want all my students to be a musician. I want them to be a, a real good human being, people who take care of others, people who respect each other, people who really learn about tolerance, and people who really want to make this world better. Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, so, uh, you know, as you can tell, I'm very interested in uh, how, how it's possible to scale the impact of education, right? And so, uh, you know, I'd like to follow up with this question. You know, in the world of, say, like a Suzuki method, which is a very popular uh, method for all the instruments to learn, uh, basically by ear, as a Japanese method uh, by Shinichi Suzuki, uh, or, say, like uh, in uh, the forms of education like Montessori, right? They've got... Uh, uh, how would you say it, like uh, con conglomerates and uh, like conferences. And uh, not every uh, industry has or sector has a wonderful conference like Global Teacher Prize and GESF where we can all get together. I'm wondering how does, uh, how do the graduates and the teachers within El Sistema uh, communicate and stay in touch with one another? Well, one of the first things I said is in El Sistema in Venezuela, is, is, for example, this is a program that you start it's in the preschool. Now even you have a pregnant mother studying music uh, uh, to learn how to sing a, a lullaby to the, 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 the boy or the girl when was born. And uh, we have uh, hospital programs, we have special need programs. And uh, you studying also through a un university uh, and combine, because you start to teach when you are in an early age, that is a methodology part of the system. I use music as a tool for social development, but also start to teach in a very age. So I start to teach when I was 14. So that was the first time I have a classroom in front of me and a person coaching me. So that is one of the methodology, is exactly to have a teacher teaching a teacher in front of the student. So then the students learn how to be a teacher from the first class. Fantastic. And so do you guys have like conferences or like uh, online forums? We have, forums, we like have ha training. Uh, actually in Sweden, uh, we do an academy. 
we invite uh, a lot of students in, in June. I do a side-by-side -side camp with coming teachers. Uh, last June, I was conducting 2,000 kids with all the um, normally teachers who come from abroad, Sweden and Sweden. So we have a lot of trainings through El Sistema, and you always can look at it. That's really fantastic. I hope I can uh, see that in person at some point. 2,000 kids uh, playing in one giant orchestra. I saw the videos of that. It looks pretty fantastic. Uh, you have to invite us all to the next one. We'll follow you on uh, Twitter Definitely. and find out. <laughs> so uh, you all have students from widely different backgrounds. Uh, Melissa has students in the Bronx. Uh, some 22% at the time of your application uh, for Globe Teacher Prize were, were homeless in the Bronx. Uh, that being said, uh, some obviously have limited access to instruments and equipment and time to practice and support uh, from their families and the community. Uh, Ron, where you grew up in the favelas of uh, Venezuela, uh, it's somewhere that has uh, constantly been in the global eye uh, in the news as somewhere that has uh, faced many challenges, right? Uh, and uh, over and over, as one of the places as... as uh, uh, many heartbreaking challenges take place as well, right? Uh, people learn in different ways and at different speeds. So how do you guys balance challenge and tradition versus fun and progress in your classrooms? I'm going to take this one. So I can't, being, being from Canada, um, I'm struggling right now a lot with the word tradition, largely because when we think about what maybe the three of us would consider traditional music education, that's things like band and choir and orchestra. That doesn't leave room for rock band. It doesn't leave room for drumline. It doesn't leave room for ukulele ensemble or steel pan ensemble or, or world drumming programs um, and, and different modes of learning music that come from all around the world. And when I think about where I live in Canada and how Canadians have... Uh, lived side by side on the unceded and traditional territory or ancestral territory of a number of, of Canada's First Nations, Indigenous and Aboriginal people, I have this, this problem with thinking about what tradition really is, what emerging traditions are existing, what um, uh, Indigenous traditions exist, what, what we maybe think of as Western tradition, and all I can think is we got to get rid of the word tradition and think about where we're seeing emerging opportunities for students to connect with music l using the things that they know. Now when I, I teach kids to read music, I think about how they learn to read as kids in grade one or grade two. That it's all about understanding the little bits of the alphabet. It's all about learning to tell stories. Fall in love with storytelling with sound. And then maybe a month or two in, after they really love the sound they make on their instrument, then put some actual sheet music in front of them. But start with enjoying that moment of, of storytelling and sharing. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, coming from you, Mark, uh, you know, I promised I would introduce a little bit uh, about each of the uh, uh, panelists here today. You know, Mark is a, a teacher in Canada who teaches over five distinctly different courses. <laughs> so it's funny for him to uh, say that uh, you know, there isn't enough variety yet because you're, you're only teaching uh, five, five courses at the, at the class. He's at, at the school. Uh, he's teaching band, choir, uh, symphony, orchestra, and theater at the Vancouver Technical Secondary School in British Columbia. Uh, so uh, that's awesome. I, it's always the people that uh, they say, if you ever want to get something done, you give it to somebody that's busy. So uh, it's great to hear that from you, Mark. <laughs> what, what, what about you, uh, uh, Melissa? What do you uh, think? Uh, how do you oh. balance uh, challenge versus tradition versus fun? 
So um, earlier you mentioned Kodai, Suzuki, uh, there's even Gordon, music learning theory. There's all these music teachers kind of... Are there any music teachers out here in the audience? Just so I know. Okay, woohoo. Uh, there's actually uh, three top 50. Uh, we have uh, James here and Brian McDaniel somewhere, somewhere around here. Um, but, yep, I see him waving. Hi. <laughs> Shout you guys out. But music teachers tend to fall into these camps of uh, I am an ORF educator or I am and this is by pedagogy I am a Kodai I am a Suzuki um, and when you limit yourself to only one approach you're gonna limit your outcomes so um, when I'm teaching my students I get a lot of criticism because I don't put a standard notation in front of them to begin with that's too much for them they're learning how to even just hold the thing you know the instruments not the thing of course not <laughs> but they're just they're they're just trying to figure it out and when i'm teaching music i um similar to what mark was saying i'm thinking about how we learn to speak language uh how do we learn to speak we first listen a lot then we start to imitate sounds um, is there any, are we reading books at, you know, when we were learning to speak? No. So my approach is, 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 has been criticized because of uh, the word tradition. So I, I echo this. Tradition for tradition's sake is, is pointless because we're not uh, reaching those students who do suffer, like myself, with dyslexia, for example. You know, this is something that uh, can, can help change and make a shift, not only for music, but for all sorts of other subjects. Fantastic. I, I believe that to really uh, have um, the challenge, tradition, and fun at the same time, first, uh, first uh, what I think is, as a teacher, we need to be a student all the time. So any place that we go, we also need to kind of adapt our way. So the way they are always teaching, I, I saw as a milkshake. I put a liquid and I put their Orv, Kodali, Suzuki, and all the methodologies they used for teach music. And then I put some more ingredients, love, um, discipline, respect, and, and harmony and energy. And this way of teaching would become all together. And I, I have a good example very quickly. Um, when I have to teach students who are not from Venezuela and students who come in from Middle East or when I was uh, working in Greenland with uh, Inuit kids. Uh, that's a tradition that is not used to play violin. So how to, to really give a violin to a person who uses a drum? So then is when you need to learn and to be a student in your classroom, how to integrate traditional music connecting to adapt adaptable so we need to be adaptable and flexible with our curriculum when we are musicians in a way to really empower our kids. Can I just add on to that really quick? Of course. Uh, I just want to make a point that you do not need to be a music teacher to have music in your classroom. Uh, think of what a wonderful way it is to start the day with a song or just making people smile by having an end-of-the-day song, you know, um, it just really lifts people's spirits and it makes your classroom a happy place. That's fantastic. So, you know, one of the things that I notice, uh, you know, as, uh, as someone who attends a lot of conferences is that uh, a lot of times we spark a lot of interest, we spark a lot of excitement, but we lack in follow-up, right? And I'm not saying that anybody in this room is uh, necessarily guilty of that, but I wanted to give the panelists here... Uh, an opportunity to discuss how do you feel 
the Varkey Foundation and Global Teacher Prize and the GESF uh, and the constituents of this uh, community and the people they know, how can they better support the initiatives that you truly believe in? Okay, I'm going to say something wildly unpopular. I don't believe in STEM. And I don't believe in STEAM. And I know there's a ton of people here right now who might be feeling kind of tense or anxious about me saying that. I'm anxious about saying that in this environment. I, I feel really strongly about comprehensive education. That what, what we do in music and we do in arts education is one equal piece of the whole experience for students. It's, it's not, thank you, it's, it's not academics and arts, it's learning. That's what it is. It's about everything all together. Absolutely. And I, I feel like if there, was, if there was ever, I mean, ultimately the answer to your question, and Vikas is here, so I, I don't, I'll say this while he's right all here. All right, Vikas, there is, listen up here. There is nobody that I've come across that is a bigger champion for every teacher equally. Yes, there's a top 50, yes, there's a top 10, and there's thousands of people whose nominations were considered. But every single one of those people took the time to document their story and to engage in self-reflection. The application process alone is a symbol of uh, helping teachers to examine themselves and their work and value it and find a way to start to tell their story to anyone who will listen. So my challenge then, I guess, along with that, is for everyone here to walk into a neighborhood school, talk to a teacher. If you know someone who's a teacher, ask them their favorite moment in teaching. Ask them why they became a teacher. Those kinds of things are so important. I, oh, I don't want to hog the mic. I said this yesterday, um, and the top 10 amongst us, we've grown quite close, um, and we all said this. We said uh, that the application process for the Global Teacher Prize was one of the best professional developments that we've ever gone through. So, you know, talking about how to improve your teaching, I urge every single one of you, like, apply. Nominate yourself, apply, because it really gets you to reflect upon your teaching and dig deeper than just, like, why am I here? Why, why am I doing this? It gets what is driving me and what can I do to change the world of education and change the future and shift so that this world is a better place. I, I would like to say, um, combining to what you said um, before, last year when I saw Andreas as a winner and I saw she, she's an artist, I would say that is the voice that we have to have in every community, every region, every country. Art is not something apart, as Mark said. I must say that we, we have to be that voice. We need to empower teachers and we do it with teachers and actually in, in the art sector. Is given that empowerment to teacher to say we are in the curriculum school we are as important as mathematics and the physics actually uh, I always mention a quote of Platon and say I will teach physics and mathematics but I will teach first music and art because that will help my students always believe so I believe the Barkin Foundation is doing a great job with us to be a voice of our country, our programs, and our musicians uh, and students. Fantastic. So we have a question here from the audience. I'm going to have you stand up, introduce yourself. Yes, I'm Violet Lowe, and I believe in STEM, but I believe in music. <laughs> and I'm really happy about this um, a conference, really showcase. That's why I come here. 
We have something called STEM plus music, just long, and we have the album. You know, in general, in Asia, people do believe that clever ones do science, not so clever do us. If you cannot do anything this sport, but everyone is unique, has an infinite value. I believe everything what you said. What we did is a group of young people, no one even believed they could make up anything. They love music, but they may not be even musicians. I really agree with you. It doesn't need to like putting all the symbols to them, and they have to be extra. And what they did is they actually, through music, become quantum physics. Everyone is unique. So I really believe in what you're doing and do more. And we just launched an album, <laughs> STEM plus music. If, if I can comment a little bit on that. Um, I often like to argue that music teachers should be paid eight times as much as every other teacher in their profession. Yeah, now there is a popular sentiment. You know, it, through the course of a single music lesson, and I would say especially perhaps in band or in choir, we teach physical education, we teach some science, we teach some history and geography, we teach, um, we show an opportunity to use these skills towards a career path. I, I can keep going through every subject area in school. We make a point of connection. And I, I think that that's somewhat special in, uh, in our opportunity that we can make those links. So I really like where we're going here. <laughs> you know, uh, there's always a lot of... Uh uh, discussion worth having when when something pops up as a buzzword over and over again, like such STEM and STEAM and you know impact and you know you name it. But uh, I figure while we're on that topic, you know Melissa, uh, in a 2018 CBS News uh, interview, the journalist uh, said, uh, in addition to uh, you know teaching music and uh, being an engaged educator, you also have what uh, you could be called as a, having the science bug, right? And so uh, this is apparent in the way that you lead your classroom. Uh, you sort of use power tools and you make instruments out of organic food materials. You've even used uh, visual science of, of sound uh, in your uh, Face the Music series online, right? Uh, to turn your music studio into a hybrid hacker music space. Uh, my question is, do you interact with science teachers and do you find that the discussions uh, you have have helped influence the teachers outside the field of music? Oh boy, yes. Um, so what you're referring to, um, I'm doing a session tomorrow, you might see a little bit of that with some bananas maybe, maybe a power drill, I don't know, I can't tell you, it's secret. Um, but uh, definitely joining uh, science and speaking to um, educators and science teachers. Uh, during the summer, I transform and I have a secret identity. I'm actually not Melissa anymore, I'm Messy Mel. And I put on a lab coat and I transform and I teach science programs all over uh, Connecticut where I live. Um, and this is so important because it's uh, like my, my second passion. So everybody has something that they're really passionate about and you might be teaching that subject, but science is like my other passion. So I said, I'm not just a music teacher, I'm like a mad science music teacher, right? And I have found that adding this kind of uh, mentality to my curriculum has actually transformed the classroom and it has become like a hands-on learning lab. And uh, children who are playing um, and learning to read music in my band program they'll see the connection between the bananas on the piano and they'll say, okay, this is no, uh, this is three, two, one, and they can play all of their music on different, that it transfers. Um, it also helps um, them understand really abstract concepts, like what does sound look like? What is an echo actually doing? Um, so I have found that 
adding those types of experiments into my classroom has helped them understand. Absolutely. And so uh, back, back to, uh, you know, uh, the, the bigger question there, how has how how that, uh, uh, that manifested, say, like with, this, like, say, the science teachers in your, in your school? Does that uh, spark some discussions and uh, maybe inspire them to use more music in their classroom while you're using more science in your music room? Or how, how does that work? Well, let's talk about bottom line, right? Assessments. We have to prove what we've been showing, you right. know. And um, so the science teacher at my school uh, loves it because, you know, when we're doing our magnetic unit, you know, we talk about the magnetic field and we're making speakers with magnets and, and copper. And, and we're talking about circuitry. And so those kinds of things, it's getting reinforced. And like Mark was saying about... Um, and also, we're all kind of in the same camp. Like, we have to teach the whole child and everything and uh, to be curious about that sort of thing. I, I also believe the true science, but also thinking about how we can innovate with music, with technology, using technologies to use music as well. Because in that way, we, we, we don't left old music we always need to reinvent all the time. So I believe that we need to bring technology also for our music classroom. We have to use um, uh, computers. We have to because that is what connecting right now the generation. So what about to to play Beethoven, but also to connect Beethoven with a uh, music connecting with um, uh, equipments and do electric music and combine all this. So I believe that we need to be connecting with science all the time. We do science all the time. Every time that we read. Every Every bar, every bar that we are conducting. When I'm conducting, I'm doing mathematics all the time, three, four, five, and the kids are oldest. It's a lot of resources of neuroscience who explain the music side, very impact, but what about musicians and scientific using this as a tool to develop? It's fantastic, absolutely, evolution. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the greatest scientists also played music, right? Yeah, Albert Einstein, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, they all... Uh, Definitely, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, you've you've gained quite a uh, following as well as quite an impact, uh, combining uh, your education work with policy work, right? Everything from uh, showing up here in the Middle East uh, at the Kudwa uh, 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 conferences as an ambassador, uh, and having let spearhead the uh, Teach the Sustainable Development Goals, right? The T at Teach SDGs, uh, showing up at the Juno Awards, right? So. Uh, you're all over the place, right? And so I deeply resonated with the statement you wrote in your, in your Teach SDGs overview. Uh, you said, we often pass up opportunities for professional growth because it doesn't apply to what we do, right? How many people, by show of hands, have felt that uh, has happened to them? You go to a conference and somebody says, I'm a specialist in this, and like, you think maybe I can't talk to that person because I'm working in science and they're in business, right? Or I'm working in music, so I probably, you know, I, I don't have something to contribute to the conversation, right? Uh, when it comes to uh, policy or it comes to uh, high tech, right? How, show of hands, How, who, who's, who's ever felt out of place, right? In it, absolutely, almost everybody, right? So my question is, uh, you know, this can certainly be said about any industry, right? By a show of hands, we have most people who have felt out of their, uh, out of their comfort zone, right? Uh, so can you give us a bit of insight on how you and other teachers are using the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals as a platform to include and expand music education? Good question. Um, 
there are some really wonderful people in this world who have come together as teachers to lead the Teach SDGs movement, and they're based all over the place. And there are um, a, a group now of uh, ambassadors, people that have committed to taking the SDGs message and moving that somewhere. And there's a small group of music teachers within that mix, and some drama teachers, and some dance, and some visual art teachers. And we, we often find ourselves having little conversations about what we can do to actually see a, the bigger picture about what arts education does when it's connected to any one of those 17 goals. Now, obviously, goal number four being quality education, we're all on board with that, or you probably wouldn't be here this weekend. But when it comes to the other 16, there are ways that I can choose music to diversify the representation of composers, of musical genre and idiom, to bring music from different parts of the world, to help students recognize uh, uh, different concepts that stand behind or, or stand within those 60, uh, 16 other goals. Um, one example that I might offer around equity. There's a composer in Australia, her name is Jody Blackshaw, and she is uh, a really, really visionary leader right now in composition for wind ensemble. Instead of just accepting the message that, uh, you know, we often program only quality music. Well, there's lots of quality music, and it doesn't have to be done, uh, or doesn't just have to be the music of uh, Caucasian American men. There is a lot more to this world. And so she's got an organization or a movement called Colorful, with two L's, music. So she's trying to, to engage better representation and, and diversity in the music that we're actually uh, using with our students and, and we're teaching. In the rest of that blog post, um, there's some really wonderful people that have shared some other perspectives. Uh, Mike Wamaya, who is a dance teacher and a former top 10 finalist. Uh, Merrick, Merrick, oh, hi, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Merit Caris, who's from Estonia, who, who teaches creative um, uh, design and art, and, sh and she's contributed. And uh, Estella Church from Los Angeles, who, uh, from a theater perspective, had, has, has, we've brought together examples of how we can actually think about sustainability, conservation, uh, um, uh, reusability, or, or extending the life of the, the products and materials that we're using in instruction. I think it's, it's really important that we see ourselves as part of that camp. Beautiful, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you brought up uh, as one of the ways to get involved uh, and support uh, education beyond just the uh, excitement of this uh, weekend as going in and asking a teacher about their experience and uh, or going into a school, right, going into your local school and seeing how you can actually get involved. I love that idea. And, in fact, that's actually one of my questions that I had on my list for you guys. You know, everyone uh, globally at this point is praising you three for the amazing work uh, and the experience you provide to your students. Uh, however, this weekend, we're here for the GTP. So I'm wondering, can each of you share one of your favorite anecdotes as a teacher that made you feel entertained or made you feel uplifted or a time where you were rolling on the floor laughing or you know, uh, tugged on your heartstrings? Like just what were some of the you know, defining moments that, that you'll always hold with you? I, I can go, um, well, for me, the, the one of the most uh, incredible moments in, in my life when I've been teaching is was um, one day not so, not so far, I was on the way to a concert, and in that way of that concert, I, one of my students from Syria told me, Ron, I'm really nervous. 
and I say and ask him, um, why are you nervous? And I say, because we go to have a concert now. And in that moment, I remember that 20 minutes before, he was showing me in his phone how he was traveling along from Syria to Sweden. And then in that moment, I remember my childhood, I remember my students, and I see the best moment of my life is always the moment of my class and the concert. So the concerts, the applause of people, the clap, and give this empowerment to, to a kid of proudness. That as a musician, you cannot imagine when you are in front of people and you many years ago didn't believe that you can accomplish anything. When you are in front of people and you look people clapping to you, you even though you are being hard worker uh, or, or escaping for a word or making a life normal, uh, quiet life, but this moment is a really changing life. So for me, changing life every time that I go to an estate. So there's lots of moments that make me really proud. Um, uh, if you just, just uh, yeah, I would say just Google it. Um, but uh, yeah, so my whole career has been up and down, up and down. But hands down, the moment I will always remember is uh, walking into my classroom after spring break and seeing it completely destroyed. My desk upside down, instruments missing, instrument cases just torn and drums, like the drum head broken. And when I walked in in that moment, I actually collapsed and I, I said to myself, um, panic because we have a concert on Friday. And number two is, you know, how could someone do this to my students and I? Like, how could they violate us in this, in this way? And I know this sounds like a sad story, but I promise it's coming, good, good stuff. Um, so I didn't know how to continue, how to go on. And um, the next day, my students in the chorus, they came to me with song lyrics. And the lyrics said, you're not gonna tear us down because we're strong. We will rise from the ashes because we're strong. And that to me, I, I mean, I ran. I, I could not run to the piano fast enough to write, uh, write the background for them. And we made a video. And to me, that is the moment where I truly felt like my students understood what role music could play in their life. How can they turn a tragedy into something positive? It was through music. It's an incredible story. Um, I'm gonna tell you the story of a, a student named Daniela. And uh, a number of years ago, Daniela and her family had moved to Canada from Mexico. Um, they had faced some, uh, some serious threats of violence and, and they'd come to Vancouver. Um, in December of that school year, I got a knock on the door and there was the principal. I stepped out into the hallway and he said, we've just gotten word that Daniela and her family are likely to be deported back to Mexico uh, over the winter holiday. So the Christmas holiday would go on and we'd come back in January and we would be one less student. Um, you can imagine that that felt awful. Um, the principal's a great guy, and he, he immediately wanted to find a way to support this family and to, to find a way to appeal this deportation order and figure out how can we help this child and this family stay as part of our school family. And so the following day, we held a press conference in the school, and of, of all the places it could have been held, it was held in the band room. 
And one of the reporters asked Daniela why it was so important for her to stay in Canada. And her response totally broke me down and caught me by surprise. Daniela said very softly, I just want to play the flute with my friends. I had no idea that she loved it that much. I had no idea that it was that big a deal to her. And in that moment, I realized this, this personal connection that we make with students, they're one student making that connection with us. We're making that connection with so many. And in this moment, it's okay for us to draw all of our attention to, to support that one student. What then became really fascinating was talking to some parents that had clout in our community um, to ask if they would speak up and they would engage. And one parent said something really important, said, I'm gonna go out and do that on one condition, that there's a conversation with all of these students about what Canada's immigration policies look like and what refugee status looks like and what humanitarian and compassionate grounds processes look like. And when I engaged in a conversation with about 65 students in band, no instruments, just sitting on the floor all together, I heard the immigration stories, the uh, refugee stories, the, um, the hardships that many of these students had faced in the countries where they lived before they came to this moment. Um, many of them witnessed significant violence. Many of them left under cover of darkness and under threat. And if it hadn't been for that moment, there's not a chance that we ever would have had that kind of exchange, that deep, incredibly meaningful exchange. That created a whole new foundation on which to be musicians together, which is really exciting. Now, I will tell you, the good news after all of this is that Danielle and her family still live in Canada. She has, I think, a six or seven-year-old daughter who is just adorable, and it's wonderful that they are still a part of the, the, the greater Canadian identity. It's some of the same message that we heard in the plenary this morning. It takes everybody coming together to understand what it means to, to be a whole community. Beautiful. Fantastic stories. Uh, so... You know, I briefly touched on the on the idea that uh, my mother, uh, actually, she was a TV star in Japan, and she moved to the states and uh, uh, you know became a music teacher. And while she was getting her uh, music studio going, I remember it was one of the, you know I could t I could tell it was one of the toughest moments uh, of her life, and I still can't believe it uh, uh, that she's made it this far. We did a profile on her last year. She's taught over. Uh, 70,000 unique private lessons at this point. And I think at some point we should uh, you know, probably nominate her into the uh, GDP as well. Uh, there's a saying, we all, you know, nothing happens by accident, nothing happens without influence. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. I'm wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about uh, who are your unsung local heroes? Who should we know about? You know, I, I love that Vickis and uh, Sonny Varky and the guys this morning, uh, you know, shamelessly uh, allowed us to uh, become aware of, you know, more networks to follow and ways to, to kind of connect each other. But now that we're here and we're all interested in this similar topic about uh, uh, education and music in the schools, tell us about some of the unsung heroes that we should all know about. All right, uh, I can start here. Uh, you guys mind? All right, okay. I'll give them some think time. Uh, when, I, when you think of a hero, you think of people who change lives. And none of us are up here because of ourselves. We are up here and you are here because of other people who have helped lift you up. 
So when I think of the unsung heroes in my personal life, I think of my teachers at PS48. I think about my principal who is championing for my students and for the school to be changed into a performing arts school. I'm thinking about all sorts of administrators who have come and shown their support for music in the schools. I'm thinking about people who raise their voice when music programs are cut all over the world and who demand that it be added back into the curriculum because if we don't give it a voice, it's gonna be gone. My closer hero uh, is my grandmother because when my, my grandmother didn't study uh, in school, she didn't have the possibility to be in, in a primary school, or secondary school, and I, I was working with, I was seven years old selling ice cream in her uh, um, shop inside of the house. And that was the first time they hear about Beethoven and Sibelius. I was thinking there was people in a life because musicians would buy ice cream, they would say we play Sibelius. And I say they play with somebody called Sibelius, I didn't know. But in that moment, my grandmother, it was always saying, uh, I want you to really do something that made you happy. And she is my hero, she will be my hero all the time. And my teachers, all the time when they was asking me in the classroom, Ron, what is the person that you more admirate? And I say, my grandmother, because if I didn't have a person that be, they didn't believe that the music can change my life, she was the one who believed the music changed my life. So that's just my closest year. Um, I'm the child of a music teacher. My dad was a music teacher for a number of years, and my mom was a hobby musician. And um, as a child, uh, at times I was forced to stay on that piano bench until the oven timer went off. <laughs> I thank my parents for being so determined with a very, very frustrating child. Um, and I, I think they ought to be recognized for the work the work that they did in, in showing me that this musical ability and capacity was within me. But I would say that going along with them, uh, as a high school music teacher, the heroes in my life, are in my work life, are those teachers in the elementary schools around who are working really, really hard to make sure that students are receiving a quality music education from kindergarten up. It, it drives me nuts to see students come into beginning band in grade eight and find out that that's also beginning music. Beginning music starts at, in school starts at K, not at grade eight. That's when maybe band can begin or, or some other mode of, of instruction, but beginning music needs to happen when they come into the school. And so I, I think about the, the teacher and colleague and friend who nominated me in 2015, who's a former student teacher, CJ Kumar. And he now teaches at Queen Alexandra Elementary School in Vancouver. And um, he's an awesome guy who took a job that wasn't just music, but he also had to start to teach uh, physical education and would also have to become a resource and learning assistance teacher just to take this music job. So he was so dedicated to getting into the, the same community where he did a student teaching and staying nearby and staying connected that he decided to just throw the blinders off and, and really engage in, in what education's all about. And it's people like him at all of those surrounding elementary schools that I'm just, I'm astonished that they can do what they do. Me, in a kindergarten music class, I'm good for about 20 minutes. And then I'm, I, I don't know what else to do, but just sing with them, I guess. 
can I also take this moment to acknowledge my mother is here. And uh, <laughs> mom, I love you. Um, my parents were the first person to buy me an instrument. Oh God, I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> and they didn't tell me how or how long to play, I'm sorry. <laughs> they just <laughs> gave me this little piano and let me explore. And I think sometimes as teachers, we are so concerned about, did you get it wrong or did you get it right? That we don't allow the students to struggle through that journey. And um, that is how I learned and that's how I fell in love with music. So mom, thank you for buying me that piano and encouraging me to be creative. Fantastic. Very touching. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, while we're on the conversation of journeys, uh, one of my favorite uh, vloggers right now is a guy out of uh, Los Angeles named Lewis Howes, who's a former professional athlete who got injured and went through an amazing life journey. And now he's actually a New York Times bestseller. He's one of the most popular uh, SoundCloud and YouTube and uh, you know Facebook uh, live vlogs out there, inter interviewing everybody from you know Tony Robbins to uh, Ellen DeGeneres to Leanne Rimes, like you name it, the, the who's who of of uh, all different uh, worlds that collide on on Lewis's podcast. And he always closes out his sessions uh, by asking, he said, you know, imagine with his guests, he says, imagine it's the end of your career. You've done everything you could have ever have imagined you wanted to do. However, there's some gigantic blackout and it surges and everything you've done has been lost. It's been erased. So you only have a moment left to tell what are your three universal truths that you would want to live on beyond, you know, your time here uh, shared with us on Earth. So... Uh, I know it's not an easy one. You can take a second, but uh, you know, what are your universal truths? What would you want to live beyond your time here? You go. Okay. Ron's gonna go. Well, I I have three important elements that if I have to start a life again, I would like to have. First is to have the same family that I have. Second, I have to have the opportunity of the education that I had in music and the third and I think that I always have in, in, in mind it was that teacher who told me that I can do everything I want and everything I dream so I would like to have that right. all right here are my three one music is not a universal language it is a collection of dialects and languages that come together to make music. Wherever we are from, we have musical language that we bring to the mix. What we heard Dana do this morning, that is his presentation of meaning and substance and language and the dialects of music that he knows as they come together. That's one thing. Two, everyone is musical. Everyone is musical. That's the second one. And third, teach musicians. My, not, not students, not children, teach musicians when you're teaching music. Um, my, my sort of personal mantra is that uh, some people dream of meeting their favorite musicians and I teach mine. That's a universal truth for me. Well, the cornerstones of my education philosophy go beyond music. Everything, I echo everything you two are saying. Um, but I want, to, I want to reach beyond that uh, because into more philosoph uh, philosophy, um, respect. You must respect your students. 
if you are yelling or, which oftentimes I hear uh, teachers sometimes yell at their students, they're gonna treat you the same exact way. And so no matter how disrespectful a student is, I will always approach them and respond with respect. Uh, the second thing is kindness. You have to choose to be kind and that goes along with respect and that will build the trust in your classroom. If your students don't trust you, they're not gonna learn from you. And the last one is patience. I'm sure you guys will agree with this, is that a beginning band does not sound pleasant at first. And you have to go through the squeaks and the squonks um, to really persevere through that and show them that the more you do something, the better you get. Can I say something very quickly? Never too late, because we always talk about kids' education in music. Everybody can learn music in any age. Awesome. So we're down to our last minute here. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for being here and thank you to our wonderful panelists. This has been uh, an incredible opportunity not only to, uh, uh, to get to know some fantastic human beings but also to learn about your initiatives and uh, what you're doing and what you're pouring your heart and soul into. And uh, it's really been a pleasure for me uh, to learn. Uh, one of the things I did, actually, <laughs> while I was prepping to, to meet you three, is I started to watch a lot of different podcasts and, and, and uh, kind of just study the uh, different types of moderation styles. One of the people that's out there that I mentioned is my buddy, Lewis Howes. You guys got to go check him out. Another is a guy named Sean Evans, who uh, works with uh, Complex. And they have a online talk show called Hot Ones, where they have all sorts of celebrities that eat hot wings. Have you seen it? They eat 10 hot wings from, like, mild all the way to, like like atomically hot and then they ask them these questions while they're sort of like high on the fumes of these like you know toxically hot chicken wings right so uh, one of the things and Sean is like an incredible incredible interviewer the way that he uh, you know does his research on it on the, uh, uh, the the participants and the content the uh, uh, the guests is, is nothing short of amazing it's a really really something uh, uh, that needs it's a dying practice that needs to be pulled back in so one of the things he asked at the very end uh, of his uh, show each time I've written down here is, uh, you know, after you've made it through the gauntlet, I feel like this is, in a way, it's sort of like this kind of cafeteria feeding trough gauntlet of music education. You've made it through Melissa Salguero, the 2018 Grammy Music Educator Awarded, uh, educator from the Bronx in New York City, top 10 finalist of uh, Global Teacher Prize 2019. You're having one of the, the best years of your life. Take a minute, tell the people what you have going on in your life. What can they do? What can they follow? And what can they look forward to? <laughs> oh, you want my, my social media? Okay. <laughs> well, of course, I would invite you all to come to my session tomorrow. I think it's at noon. I'm not really sure. I just go where Rebecca tells me to go, and that's, that's our life now. Um, if you want to uh, follow me on social media, I... Uh, at Salguero Music. Um, it's also the same as the website, so if you want to go there, you can even reach out to me. I urge you, please, share your stories with me. Um, same thing for Twitter, and Instagram is actually the school I teach at, um, so it's at PS48Music. So, hashtag follow me. We'll chat. Fantastic, yes. Get connected. Stay connected. All right. Well, I, I really want to say, if you want to forget my name, is fine, but don't forget to do something in your community who connect with art and music. That is the, one of the important messages. And if you want to be in contact, so my is Ronda Viz Alvarez, 
is the, the social media. So keep doing, and if in your community is not really developed music, please do something. It's necessary not only for your community, it's necessary for all, all, all the world. Ron Davis Alvarez from uh, El Sistema Music. Um, my stuff, I came prepared with a slide. So there you go, there's everything you need. But I'll say this, my life in music is only part of my teacher identity. And so the things that I'm doing and the things that actually show up on my Facebook page um, have a lot to do with my work internationally connecting with colleagues. And I'm really excited. There's a story on one of the boards much further back here in the room um, about some work I'm doing with my colleague Ryan Homan in the Philippines. And I'm going there next July to help and support the, uh, the literacy work that he's doing in communities that don't have public libraries. And so as much as I may be a music teacher, I also see myself, as, as these two do as well, as a teacher of the world. And to get connected with other colleagues like we have the last couple of days and as we will over, uh, over the next month months and years, um, that's, that's really what's, what's happening for me. And what I would say is happening for these two and many of the other uh, 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 Varky teacher ambassadors that are here today. Mark Reed, edu music education influencer. There you go. Thank you so much for attending. And uh, we encourage you to stay in touch. As you said, uh, you can find the social media handles. You can find me. I'm Dana Leong from this morning. And I'll be here this weekend as well. Uh, stay in touch with them in person. Stay in touch with them online. You know, formulate your questions and keep the conversation going. Treat the music well, and it will love you as well. It will love you back for life. Thank you so much.